right, guys, so it is true I've tested positive for COVID, uh, but I did some research, listened to a certain amount of scientists, and I was told that if you hit over 50% of your threes, that your actual viral load is so low, it's undetectable, you could live your life as you see fit. So I'm gonna take 10 threes. If I hit more than five, I'm good, here we go. There's one. There's two. There's three. Oh. Oh, there's four. <laughs> There's five. There's six. Incredible. Amazing, I'm feeling better by the second. Oh, there's seven. Is that eight? Oh. COVID. Where you at, Steph Curry? All right, people, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's December 8th, 2022. And I think that's my proudest moment that we've ever played on the show. That's right. Eight out of 10 threes, which according to the latest scientists, I read it on the interwebs, uh, that means I don't have COVID anymore. I don't know that I will uh, test again. I think I am going to be okay. I do want to address one thing about the COVID situation. So as you know, if you watched the show yesterday, if you're following me on social media, uh, technically I do still have COVID at the moment. I was in New York and DC for a couple of days. Bunch of family members have it too. Everybody's going to be okay. It's all good. Um, and I feel completely fine besides a little bit of a, a frog in my throat, which seems to be going away at the moment. But a lot of people I noticed yesterday were asking me across social media, well, why did you even bother to test? Because we're, we're at this odd point in COVID where no one believes anything related to it at all, right? Nobody, well, everyone believes different things. Let's put it that way. So half the people don't believe tests work. The other half believe that they work, but maybe you're going to get some false positives. People believe that vaccines work. They don't work. Get this booster. If you're vaccinated, you won't get COVID. If you're vaccinated, you will get COVID. You'll get lesser COVID. Like it's just like a complete mix of anything. So a lot of people are saying, Dave, why did you even bother testing? If we all just stop testing, COVID will go away, meaning that we just won't pay attention to it. People will get occasionally sick. Back in the day, you used to go to work with maybe a little bit of a head cold or even a mild flu or something, and people would survive and make choices for themselves, as Connor and Phoenix did. I didn't force anyone to come to work yesterday. I said, you guys make a decision. They made the decision, and you guys are still alive. Yeah, everyone's alive in this room, as far as I can tell. But anyway, a lot of people were asking, why did I test in the first place, as if that was like a concession to the, uh, to the COVID mafia. And although I did say it yesterday as a quick throwaway, I just want to reiterate again, I, had it not been for us having uh, a four-month-old and a two-month-old here, I would not have... Uh, done it. Uh, but because we have uh, very, very young babies in the house, I wanted to take every precaution. And basically, I just hung out outside all day yesterday 
and uh, I took Clyde for a bunch of walks and I worked out, actually quite a lovely day. Uh, and uh, hopefully by the end of today, I'll test again, it'll be fine and that'll be it. But that's really the only reason that I did that. Uh, today we are doing uh, a Ruben Report community Q&A. If you wanna try to get a question in, last second question, you can go to rubenreport.locals.com. I wanna do a couple stories up top of just sort of like how insane celebrity culture has gotten because there's a couple things happening right now well, yeah, one of them kind of involves that Kanye guy. Uh, but there's just like this focus that we've had maybe in the last, I guess we've had it for a long time, but uh, let's say 20 years of just like, we have to listen to what celebrities say about things as if that really matters. As if people who pretend, often actors, who pretend to do things, actors don't really do things. Uh, Tom Hanks was never stranded on an island. You know what I mean? Uh, Matthew McConaughey never went uh, to the stars in Interstellar, but they pretend to do things and then we, we think that it's important to listen to them. And then it's kind of funny when you start seeing how ridiculous uh, most celebrities actually are. So we're gonna talk about some woke celebrities who are drunk on their own fame. Uh, and this includes Meghan and Harry, you know, the prince and the princess or whatever she is, uh, and Jennifer Lawrence and Kanye West. We're gonna dive into a whole bunch of all that stuff. And then we got some great questions. They're kind of all over the map today. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, and before we get to it, let me talk to you guys about Bullion Max real quick. You know, as inflation surpasses highs, not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store for cars and for housing. Face it, paper money is worth less. Guys, the timing couldn't be any better for my new sponsor, Bullion Max. Bullion Max is a direct-to-consumer precious metals retailer who can help you diversify into gold and silver. It's a hedge against inflation. It's also security for your family in times of crisis. And here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metals space, offer some of the lowest prices on the internet, and they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I wanna help you get started, so I worked out a special offer just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com Dave. The kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com Dave. And now, back to me. All right. So let's talk about Harry and Meghan for just a moment. As you know, uh, across the pond, in Great Britain, in England, they have a monarchy. They have a king, at times a king, and at times a queen, sometimes both at the same time. It's a whole situation. Uh, and uh, this is something that they have had for thousands of years. Uh, well, I suppose well, the monarchy is thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. It's an old, it's an old monarchy. Big building, hats, the whole thing. Uh, they've had it for quite some time, and it lasts. It is something that lasts. There's a permanence to it. So you might get a conservative government in, you might get a liberal government in, you might have a centrist government in, but the monarchy always remains. And that has allowed for a certain set of consistency in the UK. You may not like that they have all this money and all this power and influence and by birthright that these people hand it over from generation to generation, but there is something about the idea of permanence, something that the country can all sort of wrap around that's not just purely political that I think is interesting and, and worthy of exploring. Well, in some ways it's kind of crumbling because of 
wokeism. So first I want to show you a headline from the Babylon Bee, and I do have to tell you that the Babylon Bee is a satire site. I know that confuses a lot of people on the left. Uh, they had a great headline because uh, these two over here, they've got this new Netflix special coming out. Harry and Meghan announced Netflix special about how much they want privacy. That is, that is humor. Uh, via the Babylon Bee, uh, but I want to show you just a little bit. This is just the teaser trailer for Harry and Meghan's new Netflix documentary, and, and you'll see why I'm bringing all this up. It's really hard to look back on it now and go, what on earth happened? You hear that? That is the sound of hearts breaking all around the world. She's becoming a royal rock star. And then everything changed. There's a hierarchy of the family. You know, there's leaking, but there's also planting of stories. There was a war against Meghan to suit other people's agendas. It's about hatred. It's about race. It's a dirty game. The pain and suffering of women marrying into this institution, this feeding frenzy. I realized they're never going to protect you. I was terrified. I didn't want history to repeat itself. No one knows the full truth. We know the full truth. Okay, so I think it's worth, whether you care about the monarchy or not, whether you care about British politics or not, or any of those things, uh, is sort of irrelevant. The reason that this is important is it goes to what I talk about in almost every episode that wokeism destroys every institution that it gets into. You can feel that it is going to destroy the monarchy one way or another because he and she will turn and call them racists and call them part of the patriarchy and all of those things. And it's like, what would England look like post-monarchy? I, I suspect it would not be nearly as stable uh, as it is right now. And that's not to say that the monarchy uh, is above criticism. Of course it can be criticized, uh, but the fact that they're going for their, their own fame, they're going, you know, they've, they've not really accomplished anything that hasn't been sort of handed to them. And what they are using with what was handed to them is to destroy the thing that handed it to them. It's, it's quite fascinating. Uh, page six, which is part of the New York Post, has uh, some more interesting little tidbits on this whole situation. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle allegedly used a photo in their new documentary trailer that they themselves approved to be taken while suggesting the press was invading their privacy. The newest teaser for their highly anticipated Netflix docu-series showed a photograph taking a snap, uh, so, sorry, showed a photographer taking a snap of Harry, Markle, and their young son, Archie, from a balcony at Archbishop Desmond Tutu's residence in South Africa back in 2019 while they were on an official tour. This photograph, used by Netflix and Harry and Meghan to suggest intrusion by the press is a complete travesty. British royal correspondent Robert Jobson tweeted Monday. It was taken from an accredited pool at Archbishop Tutu's residence in Cape Town. Only three people were in the accredited position. H&M, Harry and Meghan, agreed the position. I was there. Jobson then tweeted a photo of the former royals introducing a then baby Archie to the Archbishop. This shot by me from the same accredited pool position on my iPhone was taken at Archbishop Tutu's Cape Town residence. He wrote alongside the photo. There was no intrusion. I was part of a three-person UK palace pool. Nobody else was allowed in, and we shared the words and photos with 
the UK media. Okay, guys, I understand that it's not that important, but you see they're even faking their own lack of privacy. I'm not saying that there are no privacy issues related to this, but it's just one of these other things where everything in front of us these days is this constructed reality. They literally chose a photo that was an approved photo by the pool of photographers at Desmond Tutu's house. And they made it seem as if this was something that allowed them, afforded them no privacy uh, whatsoever. Uh, but what is this all really about? It's really about how to take out a monarchy, how to take out all of the old things, right? How to take out all of the institutions that have freed people and uh, from a Western perspective that have focused on individual rights and given us a sense of history and all of those things. You may remember this, this is Meghan Markle uh, accusing Harry and the, the monarchy of, uh, well, of d racism, duh. So we have in tandem the conversation of, he won't be given security, he's not gonna be given a title. And also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? About how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. It was an accusation of racism about someone in Harry's family. We have since been told it was not a reference to the Queen nor Prince Philip, who were part of this historic picture with Meghan's mother, Doria Ragland, and Archie shortly after he was born. That was relayed to me from Harry. Those were conversations mm. that family had with him. What was that conversation? That conversation <laughs> I'm never going to share. My father and my brother, they are trapped. <laughs> they don't get to leave. And I have huge compassion for that. <laughs> Guys, he's so ethical, this Harry. He's never going to share the conversation that they had about the baby being too dark, but he'll tell it to Megan, and then Megan can tell Oprah, and then Oprah can ask him about it, but he's not going to share any information about that conversation. Look, I don't know if it's true or not true, but the broader point is they are using the power that, I mean, just imagine to be given all the privilege that they have been given and use it to destroy the thing that gave you the privilege. And of course, what they don't realize in their short-sighted woke stupor is that no matter how much they give to the wokesters, no, no matter how much they disassemble the monarchy or pretend to live in poverty, and of course they're, they're gonna live like the elites of the elites of the elites, and say all the right things and call everyone racist and everyone's a white supremacist, no matter how much they give, they will always be the bad guys in the eyes of the woke. And I don't know how they don't have someone around them telling them that. There is no penance that will be enough you guys are bad guys. You were born rich and you're white and you have everything. And no matter how much you give away until you decide to walk around in a, in a potato sack in, you know, downtown London or something like that, uh, it will not be good enough. But celebrities in general are uh, not the wisest people, often have a myopic view of the world, often think that everything revol revolves around them and that nothing came before them. Uh, this video was going viral yesterday. This is, this is absolutely incredible. So Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence was in Hunger Games. She was, uh, she was in X-Men. Who's the blue girl? Mystique. She was Mystique in the, the new X-Men movies. She's done a couple other things. Uh, here she is saying that before her, there were no chicks doing lead acting roles in action movies. I think she may have a limited memory. I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, 
nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie yeah. because mm -hmm. it wouldn't work. It, we were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but yeah. boys cannot identify with a female lead. Oh, absolutely. And it just makes me so happy every single time I see a movie come out that just blows through every single one of those beliefs and proves that it is just a lie to yeah. keep certain people out of the movies, to keep certain people in the same positions that they've always been in. And it's just yes. amazing to watch it happen and watch you at the helm. Guys, there's been a massive conspiracy that Jennifer Lawrence has unfurled. She did it, Scooby-Doo style. She ripped the mask off before her. There were no lead actors in action movies. It's not as if the internet exists where you might be able to video. I can handle myself. Yeah, I noticed. Congrats, Jennifer Lawrence. You just erased all of those chicks. Unless she knows something we don't know. Maybe she knows they all have penises. In which case, they're still chicks, right? Isn't that how this thing works? It's also confusing. Anyway, just such silliness. Like this, it's the same sort of um, like very narrow view of the world. Meghan Markle comes into the monarchy and thinks that she knows best about everything and should disassemble it. Jennifer Lawrence comes into Hollywood and thinks no one did anything before her. It's this weird thing. It's this weird thing about that has something to do with people, I don't know, maybe under the age of 40, like everything before them was so horrible and backwards. It's such nonsense, nonsense. But every now and again, you get a celebrity that gets one right. And, uh, you know, I haven't said too much about the, the Kanye Hitler stuff. We talked about it like a week or two ago. It's also stupid. I think we should just ignore him. He's obviously not well. He's surrounded by really horrible people. He has noxious, bad ideas. Hopefully he will come around. And I think the best way to get people to come around is for everyone to just kind of live honestly and forthrightly. And then, you know, the truth will set you free kind of thing. Uh, but Bill Burr, you guys might know comedian Bill Burr. Uh, he had an incredible take on Kanye, this is from a couple years ago and it's been making the rounds and I just thought this was absolutely perfect. Kind of put a button on the Kanye thing so we can just move past it. Okay, next time Kanye's going off on himself, I'm telling you, just close your eyes, forget it's him and really listen to what is coming out of this guy's mouth. He says shit like I'm a genius. I'm a god, I'm Shakespeare. My biggest regret is I'll never get to see myself perform live. That's a direct quote. My biggest regret is I'll never get to see myself perform live. Dude, you put that ego in a white dude that is, it benignant in the Streisand. What's the Blitzkrieg? What's the superior race? Vienna will return to Deutschland first. 
I mean, that's pretty good, and that's from a couple years ago. Uh, to put a final pin in the Kanye thing, and hopefully he'll just kind of go away for a while, and the story will just kind of disappear, and people will realize just because someone says all kinds of crazy things, we don't have to focus on it all day. That's why I wasn't doing video after video about it. Uh, I saw this video. This is from probably about 30 years ago. Uh, this is Thomas Sowell uh, talking about anti-Semitism. I thought it was pretty, pretty Pretty good. It's a fascinating story because among the, the, the middleman minorities, of which the Jews are the most prominent, uh, the hostility to these people in countries around the world is out of all proportion to that, to any other kind of group I can think of. Uh, in terms of the violence, uh, the, the number of, uh, of uh, black, the number of Chinese killed, let's say, in one year uh, and by mob action exceeds all the blacks lynched in the entire history of the United States. And the number of Armenians killed in, uh, in Turkey you know, during the First World War is greater than that. And of course, the number of Jews slaughtered on a number of occasions in history, even before the Holocaust, is greater than that. So that the question is why this particular kind of people are the targets of so much uh, us venomous hatred? And I think the answer is that um, they, not, they not only succeed, they succeed in a way which is the threat to the egos of other people. But the guy who c comes here, let's say from Vietnam or Korea, and arrives here with little more than the clothes on his back and a few wor broken words of broken English, uh, and a decade later he has his own little business, and you see his son a few years after that getting ready to go off to Harvard or MIT, you've got to ask yourself, you've either got to, you know, you, you, you've got to hate yourself for saying, my God, I've, I've been stagnating, this guy was nothing, and now he's risen up, or you're going to have to hate him. Years ago, one uh, official of one of the Jewish organizations in New York asked me, well, what can Jews themselves do uh, in order to minimize the hostility they face? And I gave him a one-word answer, fail. Because as long as you succeed, you're going to be hated. As long as you succeed, you're going to be hated. But clearly, as Thomas Sowell knows, it's better to succeed and be hated than to fail and be loved. Uh, guys, this holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects, connects you to those who matter most. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought, of, thought to ask, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I'm gonna give my keepsake book to my two baby boys when they're older and they're growing up fast. Reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love a most thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash Ruben and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash Ruben to save $10 on your first purchase. All right, we got a rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A and away we go. Margaret says, literally the same people who thought they could get away with the Trump-Russia collusion narrative orchestrated the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up. They have been found out on both, but not 
after dire consequences? What can be done to deter the deep state's nefarious actions in the future? You know, I've been thinking a lot about this because the more stuff we find out, so if we find out, okay, or we have in essence already found out that Russia collusion was a hoax, right? We found it out, the intelligence services lied, Steele dossier, all of those things. So we know they lied about that. Now we find out that the Hunter Biden laptop was totally legit. Most of us knew it or, or were at least roughly aware of it or at least kind of looking in that direction that it was probably sort of true because the whole system was trying to silence it. So it was like, yeah, there's probably something there. Uh, now we find out that it's all true. Mainstream media was all calling it a hoax and a lie and all of the 51, you know, intelligence agencies who all, uh, representatives of the intelligence agencies who all said it was nonsense. Um, we will find out more stuff related to all of this. We will find out, as I said yesterday, we're going to find out that they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff when it comes to censorship related to COVID. I mean, I think the COVID stuff is going to make the Hunter Biden laptop stuff look like absolutely nothing. Like when we really unfurl that, if you really like just think back for a moment to how crazy uh, the last two and a half years have been uh, and all of, you know, when like in LA, when they're literally closing the skate park and they're taking basketball hoops down and just like all of the craziness and that there were some people like, hey, maybe we should pause, maybe we shouldn't force vaccines. Like, Okay, you guys get all this stuff. So they're gonna just do more and more. Your question though really is what can be done? Like, does anything change? Do the, do the bad guys ever pay for it? Um, not to be too black-pilled here, but they don't often pay for it, right? We don't have a lot of great evidence of when people do really bad things in the government uh, that, or when they come after you in, in horrible ways that they pay for it, right? And then it's not just that. You could look at this FTX thing. And it's like billions and billions of dollars are lost and unaccounted for and in essence stolen from people. And it's like, it feels like this kid's going to get off this Sam Bankman fried It feels like he's going to get off, you know, people that are in the system itself becomes a protection racket for the system. That's why it's so appealing for so many people to be part of the system, because you feel like you're in the mafia, you're going to get protection, you know, and there, there is some value in that if your ultimate goal is just to survive right? I suppose without your integrity, it's not really my ultimate goal, but I, I can understand how someone could come to that conclusion. That's just, that's just a real thing. Uh, so I don't know that much will change. The best we can do, which is what I try to do on this show every single day, is show people that truth is out there and that you don't have to follow the narrative and that just because the system tells you something, it doesn't mean it's true. And how do you how do you become more reliant on yourself and your family and your local community so that the, all the nonsense that they're always pushing on us doesn't matter that much? I think that's really what you can do. Uh, Aliza says, I just watched your seven out of 10 threes. Uh, actually, Aliza, it was, it was eight out of 10, but all right. Uh, so are you showing us that if we want to be better at basketball, we should first test positive for COVID? Yes, that's what the scientists told me. If you're an average basketball player and you get COVID, you will suddenly be a better basketball player. That's how it works. That is absolutely how it works. I should tell you guys uh, in total transparency, that was a two take situation. I walked out of the studio yesterday. Phoenix came with me. We walked out there, shot it once. I think I hit four out of 10 first time, just being honest, but eight out of 10 the second time. So if you take that, that's, uh, you know, that's 12 out of 20, still over half, the, half on threes. That's pretty solid. Uh, Veronica says, how much has your time on Twitter gone up since Elon Musk acquired it? Who is someone you rely on and follow for honest journalism? You know, it's interesting. I know I talk about Twitter a lot here. And I think even for those of you that are not on Twitter, you get why 
so many of us talk about it, why the, the tastemakers are on there, at, because all of it, all the stuff, all the PR, all the cultural, the gestalt, all the stuff, it's all happening right there on Twitter and that's where it's being disseminated. So you can either be on there or not be on there, but it's still an important piece of what's going on in our, I don't like the word collective, but what's going on in our collective mind, right? Our, our hive mind. Um, I guess I'm on a little bit more since he's been back on because, well, first off, because since they've lifted the shadow bands and since I'm actually seeing a feed of people I follow again, it seems fun again, or at least it seems somewhat interesting again versus before where it was highly, highly regulated and my tweets started getting virtually no traction. I, I used to be able to tweet a picture of a banana and a, and a cup of coffee and I could get 10,000 retweets. Then they, they had really just crushed me down to like, you know, 20 retweets on things. Everyone kept messaging me. I'm never seeing your stuff. That now it seems to have gotten normal. There, there's a bit of a catch 22 here uh, because for me, I think I said on the show about two months ago, maybe it was right when I came back on the grid, that my goal was to be off Twitter by the end of the year. And I really did mean it. And what I meant by that at the time, it was before Elon got it. There were obviously the rumors that he was gonna get it, but that it felt like it was falling apart. Jordan Peterson had left. Like I felt that there was like a pathway to an exit, meaning that, you know, I'm of, of a certain level of online popularity or whatever it is, like, do I need it much more? Now that he's come back and it's the center of the universe, related to all of the things that we talk about with politics and culture and, and much more. I mean, plenty of people use Twitter for just sports or plenty of people use Twitter for music or whatever. Um, I have to be there and it has become fun again. That being said, the, the locals community is a million times better in terms of actual communication with real people and sharing pictures of food and dogs and what you're listening to and what you're watching. And that's where I actually interact with people. So to me, the locals community uh, is, that's my home online. And Twitter, Twitter is the town square. Those are two separate things and I treat them separately. Uh, Douglas says, I just wanted to ask, since you're filling the jar to get someone out of a red state and into a blue state or out of a blue state and into a red state, can you give that money to someone who lives in a blue state and moves into a red state? Hint, hint. Yes, okay, so you know, I've been putting all the money over the, over the year into the jar here, and there's, there's more than that. We've, we've emptied the jar a couple times, and I'm gonna throw in a couple thousand bucks. At the end of the year, we are going to give someone a bunch of money to leave California and move to Florida. We had, I had temporarily reversed it. I thought we could just fund a Democrat or a lefty leaving Florida, but after this 20-point win by DeSantis, it's like, ah, let the few of them stay here. It's fine, okay, you're not bothering anybody? Although I would, I guess maybe for Charlie Crist, but it's again, it's like he's this like impotent, irrelevant, nothing, so it doesn't matter. So yes, it will be for someone to get out of Cali because I think that's the most important thing and that's, that would be modeling after me uh, leaving California, which was almost a year ago. It's just under a year. December 17th will be my one year anniversary here in Florida. Um, so we will figure it out. It will be someone from the locals community. I know a few of you have already posted with your own stories of why you are deserving and uh, we will pick somebody in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Elizabeth says, hi Dave, question. Do you think there's a connection between Joe Biden and Zelensky resulting in all of this USAID pouring over to Ukraine, yeah, like there's something there. And that's obviously connected to the laptop. The issue with the laptop was not just that, okay, he was smoking crack on a webcam and banging hookers. Everybody likes a good time. It was not that. The issue with the laptop was that there were emails and his text messages that were obviously synced to his phone and all of that stuff 
about his business dealings. And that's the stuff that they were really trying to hide. Clearly, I, I don't think they were thrilled with the, with the nudity or whatever that stuff was, right? Like, obviously not. And if he had been doing illegal things, like they don't want, he's the son of the president of the United States, they don't want that getting out there, fine. But that really wasn't what this was about, right? Because this was, we've got to silence this laptop before the election because we clearly feel there is something on here that could tank Biden. And that's exactly what they did. We also know that Joe Biden, who repeatedly has said he has never discussed his son's business dealings with his son. Think how crazy that is. Think how crazy that is. For any of you out there that have a father or that are a son, do you not discuss what you do with your father if you have a relationship with your father? Obviously you do. do you, he, so you're telling me what Joe Biden is telling us. This is what he's telling us. His son got a job at Burisma. This is a Ukrainian energy company. He had no business. He's making tons and tons of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars there. He had no business there. He only got the job because of who his dad was. And you're saying that his dad never said to him, son, what are you doing for a living? Oh, how's that job at Burisma going? Boy, you're working at a Ukraine energy company? That's kind of funny because I thought you were a crack addict. Like, is there any level of reality with any of this stuff. So I think there is something there. I also think that, that generally speaking, the, the Ukraine situation strikes me as just a giant money laundering operation. That is not a defense of Russia. Every country has sovereign borders. You can't bust into somebody else's country. I get that there's, it's a little more complex there because they were a former uh, Soviet satellite and you know some of the people in Crimea want to be Russians. Okay, fine. But we have to, you know, borders are borders. Uh, it, that's just how it is. And it seems to me that as we checked yesterday, we've given about $20 billion to Ukraine. We have no receipts on this stuff. We don't know where it's going. We don't know if it's going to good guys or bad guys. And at the same freaking time, the Biden administration is canceling FEMA aid to the people in Southwest Florida who need it. Who need, you know, it was something like 25 million bucks. So of course DeSantis comes in with state funds and makes up for it. But we can't find 25 million bucks through FEMA to help our own citizens here, but we can find 20 billion, that's a lot of zeros, billion for Ukraine. Something's rotten in Stinktown. Uh, Freedom says, hey Dave, your COVID hoop therapy was epic. Are you looking forward to teaching your boys about playing sports? Yeah, I can't wait to play basketball with them, uh, which is why uh, I've been getting PRP in my knee. That's they take your blood out, they spin it in the centrifuge, they like inject the good stuff back in your knee because I got this torn ACL and I want to be able to, to run around with these kids and play catch. And so mostly basketball, um, but I'll do the baseball thing with them too. I, I don't like soccer. I find it boring, not that interested, but I know all kids always start at soccer, right? It's just, that's the easiest one to start at. We're going to have to try to shift them out of that, but there's a lot of soccer down here in Florida, but there's a lot of baseball too. So we're going to, we're going to make it work. There's a lot of tennis, uh, but yeah, I am looking forward to, to getting out there and playing with them. We're not quite there yet. Although big news, do we have a breaking news sign or something? Do we, have, we don't have something. Uh, Justin rolled over for the first time last night. I was not in the room because of the COVID situation. I had to watch from outside, but uh, flipped over, did not flip back. Well, one thing at a time, you know, Grace says, good to have you back. Uh, when you were speaking at the Republican Congress, did they seem able to work with some cohesiveness? Do you think they will be able to get anything done in the next two years? So just to clarify what she's talking about, I spoke on Monday in DC uh, to the new congressional Republicans, just sort of about messaging and about social media and how to leverage dig digital platforms and more broadly on 
where you can focus your energies, maybe a little bit less on mainstream media who are never gonna give you a, share, uh, a fair shake, and maybe a little bit more on you know, some of these online platforms. That was the, the basic genesis of what I was talking about. I, I was pretty impressed with uh, a bunch of the people. I spoke to a few of them after. I think the real all-star in the new Republican Congress, and it's not just because I had her on the show, but Harriet Hageman, uh, I think, you know, who's the one that replaced Liz Cheney and won, I think, by about 40 points, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, she won in a massive landslide. Now, it's a tiny little district. They only have one congressperson. Okay, fine. Um, but she, she strikes me as someone that's really serious, that's an absolute professional. She was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was an energy sector lawyer before this. She knows her stuff. She cares. She, seem, she seems pretty fearless to me. I, I think she's got a really bright future ahead of her. Uh, but for the most part, what I really was pushing on them was that the media will never treat you fairly. So I said, if you go and do mainstream media, if you go to The View, if you go to MSNBC or CNN, bring receipts. I literally said, do what Ted Cruz did, right? Remember that day, Ted Cruz, we showed it to you a couple weeks ago on The View, when he's talking about election interference and he busts out the paper and you got, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys say Trump's the only one who denied an election. Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, et cetera, et cetera, right there. Like bring receipts so you can get those viral clips. That's what you gotta do. And more than anything else, I, I told them, you know, model what's going on here in Florida. Pick your fights well, do what DeSantis is doing. Be clear and clean and, and fight the media when it's appropriate, but just do the job. I think people just want competency now more than anything. We have been surrounded by a bunch of clownish buffoons for long enough. It's time to just have some decency. Uh, Julie says, hello, Dave. Glad you're feeling well enough to be on the show today. Thank you, Julie. Have you ever questioned the COVID test? I've heard that the test doesn't actually test for the virus, despite the entire world population using the PCR test. Yeah, look, as I mentioned at the top, I only took the test because of the boys. I, had I come home and had a little scratch in my throat and it was just the two of us, I would not have done it. I was just doing what, you know, I was taking the maximum amount of precaution related to having two newborns here. That's that. Do I think the tests are perfect? Absolutely not. Is it ridiculous that the United States government, which sent all of us, remember Joe Biden in his State of the Union, I'm gonna send you all two COVID tests. Look at me, that's great. Uh, yeah, they sent us all COVID tests and you're not gonna believe where the government COVID tests are from. Can you, can you guess? Come on, Connor, I'll give you one. What? He's good. China, yeah, made in China. That's where we get our COVID tests from. And guess what? COVID also made in China. Huh. I've enjoyed being on YouTube. Goodbye, everybody. Um, I don't know if they're truthful or not truthful. And, and that gets to my point earlier about the testing. It's like sort of what is the point? Sort of what is the point? I come home, I have this little twang in my throat, okay? I'm out there all day yesterday running around, doing cardio, playing basketball. I feel fine today. I gave my guys a choice as to whether they wanted to come into work just, just to do the right thing, right? And they both made decisions that were right for them. And if one of them had said, we're not gonna do it, then they wouldn't have done it and we, and we would have been okay. Um, and that's the way we should have treated this thing from the beginning. Instead of destroying the known society, uh, perhaps we could have been a little more mature about it. But that's also why I always show you guys some old, old clips about what happened. Fauci from two years ago, Biden from two years ago, because we have to remember how they did this to us. Because I guarantee they're gonna do it again. A lot of people have COVID in New York right now. Kathy Hochul, who locked everybody down 
and told people to get out of New York if you don't have her values. She's in charge still. So of course they'll figure out a way to lock people down again or force them to do this or that or the other thing. Of course they'll do it. LA wants to bring back mask mandates right now. It's like, go for it. That's what you guys want. And I know it sucks if you're a good, decent person in LA. And there's at least two of them that I know still, no, I know three guys. Uh, we got Dennis Prager, we got the Adam Carolla, we got the Larry Elder. You guys know anyone else good in LA? That's it. Those are the big three <laughs> and their wives. Uh, that's it. But if you guys, if that's what you want in LA, then, then have at it. And we will just live in very, very different worlds. And in this world, we'll be outside and enjoying ourselves. Uh, Chris says, we know you and David both love to cook. The cast iron pick chicken parm is legendary. Yes, that's right. But what is your favorite meal or dish to prepare for someone? P.S. A few months ago, someone asked in an AMA about getting good pizza in Miami. Crust pizza downtown is a must have though hardly New York style. Crust pizza downtown. We don't get downtown that often, but I will keep that in mind. I would also recommend, uh, it's fancy pizza. It's not New York style pizza, but Mr. O One here in, uh, in Miami, there's a couple locations. They have a pizza, it sounds nuts. It's got coffee grinds and hot honey. It's unfreaking believable. I know coffee pizza sounds bananas, but trust me, it's great. Uh, the first question, what do I like to cook for people? Well, because of the smoker. I mean, I, I love that big green egg smoker. So when we've had, you know, obviously we've had a lot of family here over the last two months or so. I love getting a, a whole filet mignon. I mean, I'm talking about the whole tenderloin. So that could be, you know, that could be a good four and a half pounds. Like it's a serious freaking piece of meat, uh, salt and pepper. And then you just smoke that thing. And the thing is with the tenderloin, the whole idea is it's tender already. You know, when you're smoking things, you're doing it slowly because the slower you do it, like brisket, brisket is a very, very tough piece of meat. I'm giving, I'm doing meat 101 today. So the reason brisket is cheap is because it's not something that you can just throw on the grill and eat just like that, right? So it's cheap because it takes a long time to cook. So that's why if you go to Texas, you go to a great you know, barbecue joint, it's like they've often cooked that stuff overnight, 14 hours, something like that. So I've done a couple of briskets where we've gone eight, 10 hours, but with the filet mignon, it's already super tender. So you can cook a filet mignon in a smoker, a giant, I'm talking a whole filet mignon like that. Uh, you could cook it in basically an hour. And then I like to caveman it after, which is, so this is a reverse sear. You, you're cooking it on indirect heat because when you're smoking, basically you put a plate under it. The heat, the fire's coming up, it's hitting the plate. Now only, it's only being cooked by smoke, right? But what you don't have at that point, at the end, you don't have that beautiful char. So then you take the plate out, you get that flame freaking going. I'm talking explosive, nuclear flame. And then you just throw that piece of meat down there. And you look at it and you think about it. And you do that for about a minute and a half. Then you flip it, you put a glove on, you get your hand in the fire, you flip it. There's a Lord of the Rings thing here somewhere, right? Something about a guy with a hand in a fire. You flip it, you do that. You do a little butter on top, a little, uh, a little garlic oil, something like that, and just the salt and pepper. Mm, mamma mia. Uh, davidscookbook.com if you want some more of the recipes of the things reading. Unfortunately, he hasn't updated it lately. Two kids getting a little, it's a little tough around here. But yes, the, chicken, the cast iron chicken parm is an absolute favorite. That's the one that when our friends come over, that's what everyone's always requesting because there's nothing better than a good chicken parm. Megan Kelly said it was the best chicken parm she's ever had. And I'm told she's eaten a lot of chicken parm over the day, over the years. 
Uh, Michael says, I'm a Christian conservative and decided to support your channel as a way of giving during the holiday season to people I watch a lot on YouTube. Well, thank you. You're a man who speaks truth to power and I appreciate that no matter what God you pray to. I wanted to ask if you're thinking about teaching your kids the Bible or Torah. Uh, well, first off, uh, the Bible slash Torah. Um, well, first off, thank you for being here. And, and one of the things that I love about the community, the locals community, but really everywhere that any of you listen to me, we have a really diverse set of people that watch this show. I can tell you guys that having been on tour last spring and bouncing around, you know, we literally went from coast to coast and everywhere in between. Um, you know, when I would do certain jokes on stage uh, or talk about certain topics, like if you were to say to me, hey, Dave, is your audience pro-life or pro-choice? Now, I think most of my audience is pro-life. Um, you guys know my feeling, like 15 weeks, which is what we have in here in Florida. Now they're gonna be, but yet people still came to see me. We have some different political views. We might have some different personal views or certainly different lifestyle views, right? Views on all sorts of different things. But that's the beautiful thing and that's what America was. And that's what America really sort of got to. We got to the pinnacle of that, I would say, as someone that was a child of the 80s and the 90s and then grew up in the 2000s, it was like we had put so much of this stuff to bed that, yeah, okay, so what? You, you have some differences of opinions with people. Big, big damn whoop. So I'm very proud that we've built an audience here that I think really is respectful of those things. Uh, even if you look in the, the YouTube comment section or, or most of the whatever, whatever, wherever you're viewing, it's like our comment sections are pretty decent. It's not to say there's no trolls or mean people. Of course there are. But it's like we've got people thinking about things, I think, in the right way. So now to directly answer your question about, uh, about the Bible and the Torah, um, yes, for sure. You know, I am, I am, well, it's certainly the word, I am absolutely blessed to have people like Dennis Prager and Jordan Peterson in my life. And I already spoke to the two of them. You may remember uh, about a week before uh, Justin was born, I had Jordan and Dennis over for dinner. And I just wanted to have like a, I don't know, it was, it was a sort of a final, I'm about to be a parent conversation. Uh, with the two guys that I think have sort of affected me intellectually and, and spiritually and philosophically the most. And how incredible that I get a chance to do that with Jordan Peterson and Dennis Prager, right? And, um, and we did talk a little bit about that. Like, how are we not only going to try to teach them the right things from a, you know, a sort of secular perspective, uh, but also incorporate uh, history and family and religion and all of those things. Dennis certainly uh, because he happens to be Jewish, obviously, uh, can lead me in a, a certain way on that. Uh, Jordan's series, by the way, on, on Exodus and the Old Testament, which is on Daily Wire Plus right now, I've been watching it. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Oh, and by the way, Jordan also, you know, I interviewed Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister, the twice and future prime minister of Israel, uh, which part two is up right now and the full thing's on Locals already. Jordan also did an hour and a half sit down with him, which I watched while doing cardio yesterday. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna figure out ways to have a community and, and do some things. And my sister and her three kids, her husband and three kids live down here and we'll do some uh, Shabbat dinners and try to pave a way to a sane future. Lori says, what the hell is going on with the Arizona governor's race? We can't even get information and we live here. Yeah, look, I don't even know that I've said basically anything about it since like a day or two after they announced that Katie Hobbs won. Something doesn't seem right there, but they're just not gonna reverse this thing. I, I hate to tell you, like, I think Carrie Lake is probably fighting a somewhat just fight. I do, you guys know I, I supported her and I like her. Um, I think Katie Hobbs is just kind of the worst nothingness 
leftist Democrat, blah, and the fact that she is, is the one that's in charge of the election process while also being someone that's running is, is crazy, but it's not gonna get reversed. It's not gonna get reversed. And I, hopefully, this is part of the problem. It's, it's, not even, it's not even did something wrong or nefarious happen. It's that so many people now believe that the, um, the inconclusiveness is built into the system that over time, that degrades their ability to believe into the system, to believe the system, right? That's loosely to quote Padme Amidala from Revenge of the Sith. It's like when we stop believing democracy works, that's when it stops working. Was that Padme or the other? I think it was the other. It was the queen that took over after Padme over there on Naboo. What queen, what's her name? Who's the queen that took over for Padme on Naboo? Oh, Phoenix is not happy with this one. He's like, look, man, I'll look up how many people were shot in Chicago, but I'm not looking up. It doesn't matter. It was the queen who took over for Padme after she left and she became the senator. She said, if you, the moment we stop believing in democracy is the moment that we lose it. And that's kind of right. It's like the more that we all think that elections don't work, the further we get away from a functioning system. And I sort of do think that that is kind of uh, baked in right now. Bernardo says, I saw on Twitter how both you and Francis Suarez are lobbying to try to get Elon Musk to move Twitter to Miami. Any chance you can reach out to Ron DeSantis to help, seeing that Elon has expressed support for him, it would be a huge win for Florida. So yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple, you know, because these hit pieces are just coming out day after day on Elon. And obviously San Francisco as a city and California as a state, these are not friendlies to a guy like Elon Musk, right? They are not places that are going to do the best so that he can hire the best people. And the type of people that wanna live in San Francisco at this point are probably not the type of people that he wants to work for him. As a matter of fact, he just fired, you know, something like half the company. And oddly, the product seems to be working better than ever. Um, so because of all these hit pieces, and then there was, a, there was a piece written about how San Francisco was gonna look into Twitter because he got rid of beds that were in the office. I guess they used to let employees sleep there and he didn't want them to sleep there anymore. So he got rid of beds. So now the mayor was gonna look into him. Uh, so I, I retweeted something and I just said, you know, get your ass down to Miami, man. I bet Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami can help. And as you guys know, I mean, Francis Suarez down here, he's basically turned Miami into the tech hub of the future. I, this, is the, this is the city of the future and it is thriving and doing unbelievably well. And you know, there are, sorry, there are tax, well, there's generally low taxes here. Then there are tax breaks if you bring your company here. I think they help you find office space and, and I'm sure there's a litany of other things that Suarez could help with. On the DeSantis front, um, if I see any movement that Elon's really thinking about it, I would see if I could do anything on that front. Obviously I can contact people at the, uh, from the DeSantis administration and see about it. Uh, you know, some people did of course comment, you know, Dave, are you sure you would want a company like Twitter to move here because then it moves all the wokesters here. This is a case where, well, actually, I think he's gotten rid of most of the wokesters. So I think it would be safe. And then he would get a much better pool of talent. You know what I mean? We don't have a hard time uh, by any estimation hiring people here because good people want to live here and work here and build families and a life here. Um, oh, and speaking of all of that, I want to give a shout out to our new social media guy, our new graphics guy, our guy that's pretty much doing a little bit of everything behind the scenes. Brock, we just hired him, started this week, absolute all-star. And you're going to see all sorts of new fun viral stuff and a bunch more 
And uh, maybe he's going to move to Miami. See, see what we can do about that. Let's, let's see what we can do. Kelly says, uh, Dave, what is your and David's favorite Christmas movie? Our family adopted the ref as ours. Of course, it got uh, one... Uh, of course, it was once our children got older, right? Because it's a little bit of an older Christmas time movie. David's absolute favorite by far is Christmas Story. You know, they show it on TNT 24 hours a day on Christmas Day. We don't have cable anymore. So I think we bought it on Apple TV or something. And he likes that playing throughout the day and just cooking and relaxing and enjoying whatever family's over. For me, it's Christmas Vacation. I just think it, it's like Chevy Chase, just absolutely at his best, uh, just absolute perfection. But, and I know this is controversial, I do consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. You? You accept it? You, oh, we all do. Wow. What about you watching at home? Do you accept Die Hard as a Christmas movie? I mean, it's got Christmas music. It happens at a Christmas party. Nakatomi Tower. The whole thing. You know what I mean? Jeff says, what are your thoughts on the Warnock versus Walker results? Did this put an end to Trump's campaign? Uh, you know, I didn't even mention it yesterday. It was funny. We had such a jam-packed show yesterday, and because of the COVID thing and everything else, we do the entire run-through, then I do the entire show, and then the second the show ended, I turned to Phoenix, and I was like, wait a minute, did uh, I take it Walker lost, right? Like, I wasn't even fully sure about what happened, because it just, it just kind of petered out at the end. I'm not surprised. It's why I didn't do much last week on the race. Like, unfortunately, it was kind of just headed this way, and you could feel it. And it is what it is. And, you know, having the fact that Kemp, who won big over Stacey Abrams, wasn't on the ticket this time, obviously was going to hurt Walker this time around. And the Democrats have all this early voting and all the ballot harvesting and all the stuff. Okay, fine. Uh, so what are my thoughts? Well, look, Warnock is a bad dude. He is, uh, I think he is a racist. He is a modern, progressive, woke racist. I think he's got the wrong ideas related to basically everything. I don't think he's proud to be an American. And I think he will usher in more nonsense. That's that. Herschel Walker really, really did try. I hope he maintains some level of public life and I have a feeling he'll do good things in his career or whatever that ends up being. Did this put an end to Trump's campaign? I mean, I don't think so, but it's not good for Trump. It's certainly not good for, well, it's not good for the Republicans and it's not good for Trump. You know, Trump still has to figure out what is it that he wants to do here. If his main driving point is to run because of election fraud, which is mostly what he's talking about on Truth Social. You know, he puts up these posts that then make their way around. I don't know that that's a winning ticket. I just don't know that it is. Um, I think there's a winning ticket that has a little more to do with competency and track record and all of those things. Um, so, you know, he also announced very, very early, like the momentum, let's say there was momentum two weeks ago when he announced, it's like, it kind of feels like an afterthought right now. You got to now sustain that for the next two years. But I will say this, you never count Trump out. You never know what cards he has up his sleeve. And if one thing, if Trump has been proven on one thing over and over again, it's like when people think he's wrong about something, he ends up being right. So do not count Trump out. If DeSantis happens to get in and they have to battle it out, as I've said, I don't think that's a bad thing to happen publicly. We played a video a couple of weeks ago of Jordan Peterson on Piers Morgan saying maybe that's the best thing that could happen, that they really have it out and people make a choice. What I would hope is, and this is where it's just going to be tougher for Trump than it will be for DeSantis, is you can't really get DeSantis on policy, right? Especially if you're a Republican. What could you possibly... He kept the states open. He kept low taxes. He did an incredible rebuild after a crazy hurricane. He won by a landslide. He's fighting the woke. He's getting the gender stuff out of schools. Like, there's nothing you can get him on on policy. 
If Trump wants to go the other route, which is just pure personal destruction, I guess he can do that. But I don't know that that's the winning ticket either because I don't think people are into it anymore. And I don't think people will take too kindly to him trying to do that to Ron DeSantis, who in essence is America's governor. But there might be some value in them having it out in that fashion. But again, we don't even know if DeSantis is gonna run and it's super early and all that stuff. Guys, if you have not subscribed, join us at rumble.com slash Rubin Report. And as always, if you wanna submit questions during these Q and A's and get some of the personal stuff and the rest of it and ad free all the videos and everything else, rubinreport.locals.com. Part two of my interview with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is up on YouTube and Rumble right now. Full things up on uh, on Locals, and uh, we leave you. This was just an oldie, but a goodie. Oh, but it's three years ago today, right? This is a, one of Joe Biden's greatest hits. Three years ago today. See you tomorrow. You're selling access to the president, just like this. So you're a damn liar, man. That's not true, and no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. I no. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know, and I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on? Let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take nice Number two. Number two. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not I didn't one. say you were doing anything wrong. I you said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I, Get your words straight, Jack. That's what I hear on the on MSNBC. All you don't hear that on MSNBC. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look. Okay, I'm not going to get in an argument with you, man. Well, yeah, you do, but, uh, but look, fat, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.